Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum. Um, today we are in, back in Chase's basement. My house was a little louder, so we tried Chase's basement. He does have his cat down here, so there may be some noises later. Although he's currently laying on the blanket asleep, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, a lot of stuff from Canada and the Atlantic Division. Uh, so let's start with Let's start with something else. Let's start with the Darnell Nurse contract, I guess. Um, so he last night it was reported, we're recording on a Monday morning, it was reported last night by Bob McKenzie that he is very close to re-signing er, an extension. Dreger confirmed that the AAV would be $5.6 million for two years. Um, I, I don't... Uh, th- there was a lot of rumors about what this deal would look like. They were floating out kind of five by eight, I think, so five years, eight million. Um, I'm starting starting to wonder if teams, smartly in my opinion, are floating out numbers that they're thinking about and seeing what the reaction to them would be, and then going something way or floating something just so aggressive out and then going way under that anyway. So it's like, oh no, considering what it could have been, this looks okay. Yeah, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, you said the like you set the uh, anchor or whatever so so high, and yeah. then you come out under it and it looks great. Exactly. Um, so the contract itself, two years. Uh, so there's not much term on it which is always fine enough, I think, for players. But uh, the actual contract itself, what did you think of it? Um, it seemed like a decent contract. So, like, true or false, Darnell Nurse is discernibly different from, like, a league average defenseman. Fall, like, false, maybe a little bit better, but, like, not like, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I don't think it was... The, like, he's got the draft pedigree, and obviously the Oilers are presumably higher on him than I am. So it seemed like a decent idea to just bridge him. I think he's a good number three, which is, like, league average right on the dot there. Yeah, so. exactly. So, like, yeah, he's league average. Five, my initial reaction was it seems like a lot, but, like... Five and a half for a second, top second pair defenseman. That's not too bad, I don't Yeah, think. and he's young. There's still hope he can get better. He's got the draft pedigree, and he's a big physical defenseman the teams love. So it's not like they gave him... $8 million and he's an average defenseman or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I think this is one, if you're, for a team like Edmonton, you want to start getting a couple wins on deals because you need some cheap deals when you have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl at so much money fairly, but then you also have guys like James Neal making over five and a half. You now are paying Zach Cassian 3.2 for the next four years and stuff like that. Um, you kind of want a couple wins on deals, but like to me, that's kind of what the cleft bomb deal is, right? Like that's, yeah, that's a win, their biggest and you can't ask for a win on every single deal, I guess. So I don't. The nurse one's not too bad to me. I, I think it's it's fair. I mean, he's actually older than I expected. He's Twenty five. So that'll that'll walk him right in the UFA. Yeah. I mean, I just that's yeah, <clears> fine. Like he's a, it's not a bad defenseman. Uh, they were kind of sc- not screwed, but they kind of couldn't afford can't afford to lose him. No, I, well, like, they have some good AHL defensemen, but I don't know how well they've or had some yeah. good AHL defensemen. I don't know if they'd be ready to pencil them into the top four. Yeah, I, I don't think so. The I mean, nice thing is it buys you some time with those guys. So yeah. say they are ready in two years, you can just let Nurse walk exactly. or trade them for picks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like you, it's, you have Caleb Jones, you have uh, Ethan Bear, um, both those guys. Uh, Evan Bouchard is very promising as well. Uh, so you have some names. Philip Broberg is back there as well. Yeah. You have some names on your blue line that can come up in a couple of years. But like right now, this team's trying to make the playoffs, and I like Clefbaum a lot. Larson is fine, but he's a number four type guy. Nurse yeah. is good. Benning is 
fine, but he's not going to be playing your top pair or anything. No. And then Jones and Bear are both 22 years old, and they're not bad, but like you can't be relying on them to be the top two or three guys in your off or on your defense. So that's why no. Darnell Nurse is so important to this team, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, it seems like a perfect thing to bridge them. You get to make the decision with Broberg and Bouchard and all those guys. <clears throat> you basically just get to punt that down the road when you have more information on those guys. Yeah. And. 25, you know what Nurse is. He's not going to be the stud that you probably hoped he would be when you drafted him, but he's a second-pairing defenseman, so that's fine. Yeah, you're not really going to complain about that, and uh, I think that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't hate the contract. It was. Yeah, it was fine. Like I don't. I didn't expect them to bridge him. To be honest, I thought they might go long term. No. Yeah. No kidding. And I think so. I was. I forget <clears throat> whose pod. It might have been. I don't know who who I was listening to. It was a podcast I was listening to the other day, and. Maybe it was, I think it was Elliot Friedman, I think it was 31 Thoughts, but he had said something like, Merrick was asking him about, maybe it was Nurse or someone, I don't know, it was someone's contract, and it was like, it wasn't like a great player, it was a fine player, but it was kind of like this, like a second pair D-man or like a middle six forward, and he was asking if like they'd consider bridging this guy, it was like 26, 27 maybe, and... Friedman goes, no, I think you should lock as many players down for as long term as possible. It's like that's the problem with the NHL. Is yeah, that, that seems the like media an issue. is the the biggest second biggest media person in the game is saying, no, I think you should do something that is just objectively dumb to do for your team. Yeah, but, especially when you have like if for the Oilers situation, like they have Clefbaum who can play a top pair and hang, and then Broberg. You're drafting him hoping he can play in the top four. Like You, you have a bunch of guys you're hoping who could probably play in the top four. Yeah. Like, and the nice thing with this nurse deal is it's very movable. Yeah. Like, imagine him going one year into UFA, but next year you're like, hey, we think Broberg could step into the top four already. You could probably get a haul for Darnell Nurse. I'm yeah. sure GMs would love to have this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't mind this contract at all. They have, they're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their team. Uh, they got a bunch of UFAs up. They really need to upgrade their wingers, but it feels like we've been saying that for two years now. Yeah. And instead, they go and re-up Zach Cassian for double the money. So it'll be interesting to watch what this team does going forward and how they try and fit under the cap. They're not, like, super crunched or anything, but when you have... Obviously, it's kind of like it's a lesser Toronto, but when you have a guy making 12.5 and, and another one at 8.5, and, and then a guy at 6 right after, you're going to be crunched for cap to a certain degree anyways. Yeah, they have some room to work with, but they do not have a ton of money to sign a decent amount of players. No, I mean, they're, <clears throat> they're at already next year, they've committed $40 million on the forwards and $9 million, so it's roughly roughly $50 million and then another 4 and a half for the goaltending. So there's 55 almost a little under that. Don't forget Chris Russell's four, so yeah. basically... 60 million. Yeah. So they'll have like some room to work, definitely, because the, the projected cap hit, I think, is going to be 83 or something. So yeah. it gives you 23, 24 million to try and do something with, but you got to sign one, two, three, four, five, six forwards and three defensemen, probably. Um, so, and not all those guys are going to be expensive, but like if you want some good players, you're going to have to pay. Yeah. You still are going to need to use most, if not oh, all. Oh, and, of a, and a backup goaltender. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Um, they've got a lot of options, I guess, at least. Like, the good thing about... The problem I'm having right now is... Um, I think we talked about this with the Cassian thing. This doesn't really revolve around Nurse, because I think you should... Like, I'm fine with the Nurse contract. But, you know, we talk about... The, the great thing about having Connor McDavid is um, you can plug two guys with him, right? 
And, you know, Pittsburgh has figured that out in the past five or six years with Sidney Crosby. It's like it doesn't matter who who's with him, you know, whether it's Gensel or whether it's uh, Sheary was a big one. And, you know, once Sheary's up for a payday, you move him out to Buffalo and let Buffalo pay him and you get assets back. That yeah, should be perfect. the same idea with Connor McDavid, except they've gone, oh, no, he feels safer with uh, – <laughs> What's his Zach name? Cassian. On the, Zach Cassian on the ice. So let's pay Zach Cassian. And that's kind of the exact troubles that Pittsburgh got into in like 2011, 2012. Yeah, it does seem like mid-career Sidney Crosby kind of moves. Yeah, except Sidney Crosby had been to a cup final and won a cup before that at least. Yeah. And McDavid has not. So that's the one thing I worry about. Um, the good thing about Edmonton is they've actually been able to play dry cycle on Connor McDavid on separate lines. Um, bringing up... Uh, Kaylor Yamamoto has been huge for that team. Yeah, he's been good since he's come Yep, up. and he's really clicked with Dreisaitl. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if it was the stint in the AHL. I don't even know how long he played down there, but it was good to see them at least kind of try and take their time a little bit. You know, he played 27 and 23 games in Bakersfield, so, you know, 50 games. I'm not going to say he wouldn't have become a good NHL player if he was up here, but it's better at least, you know, last year, or even at the beginning of this year, if you don't think your team's going to be great letting him stay in the minors and develop a little bit and get big ice time up there, right? Yeah, 100%. So, and this is usually overblown or whatever, but he is a small guy, so maybe it takes him longer to put on the muscle that's needed or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so I like that a lot for uh, Edmonton, and it's good to see that they can split up Dreisaitl and McDavid because as much fun as they are together, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and uh, Yamamoto's been one of the best second lines in the league since they've gotten together, so... Um, and, and it's good, I think, and that's why when you look at the trade deadline, um, people say, well, why would they look at a 3C? They already have Nugent Hopkins, but they're liking using him on the wing, and I think yeah. that's totally fair, too. Um, he's, you know, obviously if you can use him at center, if you had better wingers, you could just use him at center. But That's the thing. They only have how many good, like, if, if we have, like, a 10-game sample on Kaylor Yamamoto, and we're already thinking he might be. Their, their best, best true winger. Yeah, probably. If you're assuming Dreisaitl and Nuge are. Yeah, James winners. Neal's got a scoring touch, but he's not great. Like, he no. can't drive his own line or anything no, like that. No, not at all. But, yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see where they go in the deadline. I know a, a 3C would be fine, but I honestly wonder if they should look for another winger. I w- like Term, though, I would not be buying rentals if I was doing yeah, I guess. This year. I don't know. I kind of... I wouldn't be spending a lot. Like I wouldn't be spending my first round pick on any rental. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean the Pacific Division sucks. Yeah. It is garbage. It's really when bad. you have Connor McDavid on your team, if you can get first or second in the Pacific, there is a path to the conference finals. Yeah, that's true. I just I don't know. I don't. I'm not high on this Oilers team, even though the division's weak. And I mean their team sucks. It's yeah. four really good guys and a couple okay guys on the defense core. And that's about it. But, like, again, it's kind of the thing where it's like, I don't want to count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Not quite yeah. to the same extent, but it's like, I don't want to count out Connor McDavid if he's playing in a series. And then you saw what happened back in 2016 or 17 when they made it. 16, I think. No, 17, sorry. And when McDavid took all the hard matchups and then Dreisaitl just feasted on the second and third lines. I don't want to count that out, but I also, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not, if going into the playoffs, this wouldn't be my favorite to make it to the Stanley Cup final. No, that's for not sure. even close. Um, there's a couple teams, probably in their own division too. I'd probably take Vegas over them and maybe Vancouver, but. I'd probably take Calgary over them. I have not been flattered with how Calgary's played. That's fair. I haven't bought into this whole, oh, they're not playing the right way thing, but like their team just kind of, I don't want to say looks flat. I just don't know. Like they just, 
they haven't been playing great. Yeah, no, they haven't. They've been really disappointing, actually, because I was really, really high on their roster last year, and then they obviously did great. Yeah. So I expected huge things out of them, and they just, like, they have a negative 16 goal differential right now. Yeah, like, that's, that's not good. No. Like, and it's just, it's you like know. the same as Buffalo, basically. They have um, a 50% Corsi 4 percentage and a 49.95 expected goal, so they're just kind of sitting at, like, like midway on the league there. Like yeah, when last year they were one of the best teams in the league. Exactly. It was like and, and controlling. You know, play. and for what's worth, Edmonton's not very good in expected goals either. But again, that's the kind of the Connor McDavid factors. When he's on the ice and Drysaddle are on the ice, they're pretty good. It's whenever anyone else is on the ice, they are very not good. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's the thing with Calgary. It's like I don't like I just don't know how you look at last year's playoff series against the Colorado Avalanche where you got outskated in five games, just skated in the ground by Nathan McKinnon. And you go, oh, we need to add Milan Lucic for some toughness. You know, grit is what we were missing off of this roster. Yeah, that's certainly bold. I just don't know how you look at it. Like, I just, I don't understand. Don't forget the stats. How do you use your eye test and watch your team just get skated into the ground? It was actually kind of alarming to watch that series. Yeah. Because like I it thought was, Calgary was the much better team. I had Calgary it, winning like, at five because I thought... I thought um, the Avalanche was just going to be McKinnon's line, which it was. This is the worst part. Yeah. But McKinnon skated all over. I was like, well, they have one line. That Calgary team's extremely talented. And they just got skated in the ground. And I just I don't understand the logic of none of our guys can keep up with this guy. So let's try and get even slower guys to go around and maybe throw a hit on him once in a while. Yeah, you know who can. Like, Milan Lucci. Yeah, I just it doesn't make any sense to me how a team can logically think like that. But... Here we are, and they're in trouble because uh, I think Giordano's out for a while. Not season-ending, but he's out for a while. Um, that's not good news. Brody's a pending UFA, too. Yep, Brody's a pending. Hamannick's a pending UFA. Um, so they're going to have to make some decisions on their blue line here. I know he's hurt, but, man, it would be nice to have number one defenseman Dougie Hamilton right about now sitting yep. on that team. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I don't think uh, Hannafin has been great. But he hasn't been like a disaster. But no, but he's not Dougie Hamilton, who was legitimately in the Norris conversation yeah. this year before he got hurt. Yeah, from what I understand, he's been like a little bit disappointing. Yeah. He's had some upside, but it's not like... It looks like he's been kind of unlucky with his goals 4 per 60. His expected goals in Corsi 4 okay. per 60 are both slightly positive this year. His defensive is just right there. So it's like, he's just kind of... He's kind of like, it reminds me of Darnell Nurse, what we were just talking about with him, where it's like... He's been fine. Like, when he's on the ice, he's probably not hurting your team too much. But he's not, like, he's a number three defenseman or so. Not the dude you want stepping in for Giordano when yeah. he goes down. Rasmus Anderson's been great defensively, but has been very unlucky offensively too, which hasn't helped things at all. Um, it's it's not looking great in uh, uh, Calgary right now, that's for sure. Um, you know, you have Cam Talbot's been okay. I think their goaltending situation's been relatively fine. But, like... I don't like. It, there's only so fine you can be, I guess, when you're that low in the league, right? Like, yeah, five v five save percentage is twelfth in the league, so okay, that's good that's enough. Fine, you um, can't fault that as a no, loss for. Anything. It's definitely not. It's the team that you should be way more concerned about, which yeah. is not a good thing, you know. Um, if you're at this point of the year, it's like if you're if you have a good team and you're goaltending, like if you're what San Jose was last year, theoretically you could go out and at least try and fix that. Whereas 
when you're a team that has fine goal 14th in save percentage all situations. So when you have just average goaltending, you can't be asking for much more midseason. You have to look at your roster and see what's going on here. Yeah, it just feels like the whole is so much less than the sum of the parts here. Yeah. Um, I guess if they fall... So uh, the big talk was if they can't do anything this year, they might trade someone like Johnny Goudreau. And I don't think they should do that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I don't think they should do that. But if you're, say, right now they are sitting... I think they're either right on a wild card or just outside of a wild card. They're one point out. Yeah, so let's say they lose... Oh, no, they're in one. I lied. Okay. Coyotes have really slipped, too. That's a team we can talk about in a second. But let's say they lose another game or two. I don't I don't know. Like, let's say they, they... By the deadline... So the deadline is in two weeks from now. Let's say they lose three of their next four and five of their next seven or something like that. And by the deadline, they're like four points back or something. Do you think about selling with this team? or I was just going to say that. If they go on a little skid, I would strongly consider punting, selling. Because you would get a first-round pick plus for Brody and Hamannick each, I would think. I would assume so. The league's, especially with Brody, such a terrible crop it, of players at the deadline. I think Brody would probably be hands down the best defenseman if he was put on the be market. the best player on the market. Kreider, probably. Okay, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's Chris Kreider, and then there's a <laughs> gaping hole between anything it's else. It's like Chris Kreider, then Alec Martinez. Yeah, or something like Dylan that. Dylan DeMello might be. Yeah. If he gets moved, he literally might be the best defenseman at this point. Yeah. Which is just like insane. <clears throat> yeah, whereas Brody teams know we can hang on like a, one of the best top pairs in the league and yeah, whatnot. Exactly. So, I, yeah, I was wondering um, I don't know, like, I understand wanting to make a move. It's just you know, I'm not saying don't trade Johnny Goudreau because I don't. I think he's an untradeable player. That's not it. It's don't pl- trade Johnny Goudreau after the worst season of his career. Yeah, and like he's close enough to an untradeable player. Well, like if you could find another young team, like I don't know who you would trade for, but like if there's another guy team that's unsatisfied where they are, say Buffalo. If you say could get Sam Reinhart plus from Buffalo, and the plus is enough to make it worth it for Johnny Goudreau. I would at least think about something like that on a normal year, right? I'm sure there are packages out there that could make it work, but like you don't, you shouldn't be <clears throat> actively shopping him for a trade. Yeah, exactly. It seems like one of those trades that you're assumed to be losing. Yes, unless of some miracle. Exactly. Happens. So you know, if you get to the end of this year, it's like, but or maybe you want to trade something up. You try like Elias Lindholm or something like that. that but like bad. again, it has to be said. Like, the, the problem with trading on a bad year is you shouldn't be trading at the worst years of these guys' career. No. And I don't even know how Lindholm's playing this year. I'm assuming it's probably not amazing. No, he's sl- his point pace slowed down last year yeah. from last year, but he's still plugging along at a high enough clip. Yeah, but it's like, like I, I can at least get behind the, okay, we need to try and change something up here, but it's like you shouldn't be trading your be- one of your top players at their worst possible value to do so, and we see that so often yeah. in the NHL. It would be really funny if they traded Johnny Gaudreau after this year. Yeah, I, it and then would he be. just goes and torches the league like Taylor Hall style. Yep, um, it would be predictable, I think, too. Yeah. But although they do have Tobias Reader, so if all else fails, <laughs> you can blame the season on him and make the playoffs True. next year. Do you think he scored a goal yet this year? I hope so. Um, he has two goals. Look at him. So they can't they can't blame him this year. Poor Tobias Reader. I. I mean, I would hope they expect they knew what they were getting out of him. Yeah, I mean, they gave him league minimum, so they better. Yeah, and I mean, you. To be fair, you would have thought Edmonton <clears throat> would understand that too, but they did not. So, 
Um, okay, that's enough talk for there, I guess. Uh, oh, actually, one more thing I want to mention. I don't think it'll ever happen because I just you don't see it in the NHL. If Arizona loses even one more game, do you think they should consider trading Taylor Hall? Ooh, that would be cool. There's been a couple talks about it. I don't think they will. I would be really surprised if they did. I... But... See, so the thing is, the problem I have with the whole, oh, well, they've been bad since they got them. They've been bad because they lost their starting goaltender, who yes. was playing at a Vesna-level pace. Any team is going to be bad when that guy goes down. Taylor Hall has a hex on him or something. Yeah, almost as bad. Not quite as bad, but almost as bad as Matt Duchesne. Yeah. Um, you know, but this team, underlying numbers are not great. Not good, either. Like, they're 21st in expected goals at 48.94. You know, it's not, like, horrendous. It's just... Not great, like, and in Corsi, they're 24th, so, you know, they're not really controlling the quantity, but also not really the quality either, which is a little concerning. Um, You know, maybe, uh, you know, and Taylor Hall, I think, was supposed to help that, and he's been fine, I think, since he's gotten to Arizona, but, um, like... This has not been his year. No, no, no. Well, and the bigger issue was last year when he came back wasn't his year either. Oh, he, he was good. He was good when he started last year, but he, when he came back from injury in the past, like, last couple handful of games, he was not great. They only had a few hundred minutes last yeah. year, though, so it's kind of tough to say either way whether he was... So, it's... That's a little worrying. And, you know, they didn't give up, like, huge assets for him. No, that's the funny thing. If they decided to flip him, they could probably get more than they gave up for him. Yeah, the problem is, I don't know if their first is lottery protected, and if he... Decide to flip him, that probably means you're thinking about not tanking, but, you know. If is in the top three, you get the 20. Yeah, so oh, okay, okay. So that's a little better at least, but yeah. So then I would at least think about it. I just don't think it'll happen. And I think no. once they get Kemper back, they probably should be a playoff team. How far they really go, I don't know. But it also kind of reminds me of the Columbus situation last year where it's like, okay, there's also just a time where you should go for it in a rel- relative sense. I know it doesn't make the most sense if you're like, Looking at it logically, but you're trying to maximize your like, yes. expected Stanley Cups in a ten-year window. Or yes, whatever. when you're looking at it just from the numbers, but when you're thinking about it as a business, which it is, it does kind of want, feel like one of those situations where it's like this team hasn't made the playoffs since like 2012, yeah, and it's in a market where you desperately need to do something good to get some fans in. Yeah, and you can so easily talk yourself into the whole the division's bad, so we think we can go on a run. In yeah, the final. and I mean, I don't think this team's gonna like. I would put if this team out of the five that are competing from the Pacific. It's probably my last team, I'd say, to go on a run. But even just making the playoffs, I think, would be a big win for this team. And, like, again, maybe if they play Edmonton or something, they could match up well with them and sneak a couple games out of them, right, and go to the second round. And you go, okay, well, hey, look, we went to the second round, right? Yeah, especially with Kemper playing like he could win the Vesna. Yeah, exactly. If he could steal steal a series by himself, that'd be huge and just big for your uh, fan base. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll happen. It's something interesting to keep an eye on because they've really slid from glory. When they acquired them, they were first, and by a couple points, and now they're outside of the playoffs, and only by a point or two. But that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Kind of sucks for them, but but um, they're below real five hundred now on the year. Um, are they actually? Oh, yeah, they're twenty seven, twenty three, and seven. So um, there's a, almost all the teams in the Pacific are below real five hundred. I think well, actually <laughs> not too many. There's yeah, most of them. Edmonton's All a couple games ahead, and Vancouver's a few as well. They're four up, and Edmonton is three up, and then Vegas is below it at third. Vegas is under real 500, and the Edmonton Oilers are not. Yeah. 
That is not something I expected to say at the start of the season. Mark Andre Fleury has uh, reverted back to like 2014 yeah. form. So 2012 Fleury. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like I think in the um, who was I was talking to someone and they were trying to tell me that the weather, the Pacific wasn't that bad because it was close. I was like, no, it's close because, because it's not all very bad. Good. Yeah. yeah. I was like, there right now. Um, <clears throat> Vancouver leads with 65 points and there's two 64 teams. Three teams in the Atlantic would lead that uh, division right yeah. now. I think every playoff team in the Metro plus two teams that aren't Philly team. would lead that in. Philly would lead the division in that uh, the Pacific, and they're sixth in their own division. Yeah, the Hurricanes, Islanders, Philly, Blue Jackets, Penguins, and Capitals would all lead their own. That's division, ridiculous. Lead that division, yeah. So it's not been great, and I mean it's even more funny because you know the top end teams aren't great, but the bottom end teams are three of the worst teams in the league. The Kings are horrible, the Sharks aren't good, and the Ducks are really bad, too. Yeah. They have 53, 52, and 43 points, which is worse, way worse than any team in the Central Division. Um, the Central Division has 58. In the Metro, it's the Devils, and then in the Atlantic, the Senators and Red Wings. So they have three of the worst six teams in the league, along with the worst top half of the division, too. Yeah, that division is just a joke. Yeah, it is not very good uh, at all. And they still might put five teams forward. Which is the worst part. Yeah, because the Central has no depth. Yeah, because the Central has some very good top-end teams. The Avalanche and Blues are very good. The Stars aren't bad. But then the Jets, Predators, Wild, and Blackhawks are all in that 58 to 63-point range where they're all just kind of on the cusp of a wild card, too. So, um, yeah, uh, the West playoff race should be interesting. It should be interesting to see what... um, a lot of the teams that are right on the bubble do because it's like the, I don't think the Predators are going to sell on this year. No. I don't think the Jets are going to sell on this year. The Blackhawks seem to be trying to talk themselves into being a couple games away from a playoff team, they which is stupid. They've been doing that for a couple of years now, and it has not made sense. No, for <clears throat> the past like three or three years, I think it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and it just it's so frustrating in hockey. So mm-hmm. the NBA trade deadline just happened, and like this was supposed to be like a. Um, not as busy of a trade deadline as in past years. And you had, like, Andrew Wiggins going to Golden State. Like, you just had, like, four huge deals. You had a four-team deal or whatever that happened. And then in the NHL, it's like the only two guys with any kind of name value right now are Chris Kreider and, I guess, John Gabriel Pajot. And in the past week, both teams have come out and said, yeah, we don't want to trade him. We want to try and re-sign him. Yeah. And I get that's, like, a tactic to you have to do your due diligence or whatever. But it's like, like... Everyone in the like Friedman and there's a couple guys on TSN too talking about like yeah I don't know why the uh, Rangers would want to trade Kreider like he oh seems like the exact God. type of guy they need you know as they come out of a rebuild it's like yes he's a great player but he's 28 years old and it's like you're not done your rebuild yeah because somebody was saying about I saw this people talking about the Rangers about how ready they are to go for it or not and it's like they're a little bit away from being ready to go whether they re-sign Kreider or not yeah like so like. To and me, like you they're have to get farther extra. out than people are making sense of. Like Artemi Panarin's been great, but it's like it's also Artemi one. It's like been one guy, and like Strom's been playing well, but it's Ryan Strom. Like, are you betting on that to repeat next year? Yeah. And yeah. like, I still worry about some of their you know younger guys on the team. Yeah, like there's legitimate concerns about Capo Caco. Yeah, like, like he's been garbage this year, and. Elias Anderson's not even playing with them anymore, and he is—he wasn't good when he did play. Yeah, and I know some of those guys like Anderson wasn't put in the greatest position to succeed. And they're but, young, and there's yeah. room for them to grow. But like Capocacco might be the worst 18-year-old skater since we have like fancy NHL data. So 
that is like that is something that should put a huge asterisk next to your name. His yeah, name. it's you know I have question, but it's yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like it doesn't matter in hockey all the time. It's like you just have the most obvious situation to trade a guy in a seller's market too. Like don't get me wrong, this is a seller's market oh, because of the fact that so many teams have talked themselves into maybe being a playoff team. You'll have the Kings and Ducks will sell for sure. The Sharks should sell, but even then people are talking. It's like. Oh, like they might send Brendan, sell Brendan Dillon, but they don't want to sell too much more than that because they can't give up a good pick. It's like that should be a sunk cost by now. Yeah, you they've already be, given up. A good yeah, pick. you shouldn't be worried about that because it's going to be you know sixth or fourth. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Also, no player you're trading at the deadline unless the Sharks are giving up like Carlson and Timu Meyer provides enough war for that to be the difference yeah. between like the tenth and first overall pick. Exactly. And then so you know you also have like. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks are talking themselves into it. The Wild might sell a little. The Wild are probably going to sell. They sound like they're kind of finally committing to realizing they got to at least t- tear it down a little bit. Yeah. But um, even them, like, they don't have – they have some name value pieces on the back end, but they don't have a ton. It's not like they have any big UFAs to sell. So it's like anyone buying from them knows that they're going to be buying for Turb. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, could be a good thing. Yeah, Maybe you get more. But like that. when you're talking the rental market, it's going to be a seller's market. The Predators aren't going to sell. The Jets aren't going to sell. The Red Wings don't have much to sell because the team sucks. Kreider's probably the best forward to go by, by a like, mile. But like he's the only first line forward to go, and there may, might not even be another second liner who gets I have, traded. I think honestly, and there's some bias here, but I think Pajot is probably the best, second best forward in this. Class right now and he's for a like pure a rental. Third Maybe Athanasia. Oh yeah. If he, if but I don't even know if they want to trade him yet. And yeah, he's he's like twenty five, I guess. He's but, younger and an yeah. RFA, I believe. So. Yeah, but it's like if he if he's on the market, I'd say he's probably the second best. Yes. But yeah, right now the trade rate board has Kreider, Martinez, Kovalchuk. Oh, Kovalchuk might be. He's been he's been good. Like he's been solid since Maybe. he got to Montreal. Oh. So that's that's encouraging. But it's like, yeah, like Pajot. It depends. Pajot and Kovalchuk also bring two very different things, right? Sure. Pajot's like legitimately good defensively. Toffoli's on there too. He's yeah, Toffoli's not bad. He's had a down year. But he's, he's probably the second best yeah. forward on that yeah, list. Yeah, that's so. true. And he's then, a winger though, so it's still kind of. And then Athanasiu, if he's available, but like I don't even know if he's available. Like Carolina's first round pick is the tenth player on this <laughs> board right now. Andre Kashe, if he's available, he's really good. Well, that's the thing. There's some names on the trade bait list, but like. Because it cost a spare. That's a yeah. huge name, but like I'd be willing to bet somebody that he doesn't get traded at the trade deadline. Exactly yet. right, and the same with like Josh Manson as well. Yeah. It's like that's a fine player, but well, I don't know if he's going to get traded. Yeah, Janssen and Kapanen yeah. are up there. They're not going to be getting. They're only on there because it's like they know Toronto's going to be trying to move for a defenseman, and it's just logical they would be one of the guys there. Yeah. Right, but you look down. Jeff Petrie's a fine name, but he he's could got be a, good. He's but... got another year after this one on his contract, so. Yeah. And same same with um, Ka- uh, Kasha, Kasha, he does as well. But um, yeah, and then you got guys like Craig Smith and Kyle Turris. It's like I bet a lot of money Kyle Turris does not move at this. Doesn't deadline. even no move. I don't. I he might have a partial one. I don't know if he has a full one. Kyle Turris, six million dollars Nash. Oh no, he yeah. has no no movement. Duchesne has a full one, I believe. None of them do. Are you sure? Well, maybe it's their defenseman. They don't. Nashville doesn't give out too Not many. A single player on Nashville other than Pekarene. Yeah, because I say I know that that was one of the the great or the things people always applauded Nashville for is that they just even Weber didn't have a no move clause. I'm pretty sure. Well, he they traded him. Yeah, so I say, he might have had a no trade, t like a list, but he didn't have a no move clause. They just don't give those out. Yeah. Um, which is smart, but 
Uh, yeah, but yeah, for the this, this is a seller's market, and I, we got off a big tangent there. But um, it just frustrates me how um, teams like that, or teams who just should so obviously be selling, are just like, yeah, I don't know, we might keep this guy. Like he's a pretty good piece. It's like yeah, like if you're the Canadians and you're six point out, six points out, you should be they've worked, certain that you're a seller. They've worked their way back into the point where you know they're going to convince themselves that they might not sell them. Yeah, they're probably going to stand pat now. It's like that's the wrong choice. Sell Kovalchuk, sell Petrie, and sell Tatar. Because again, 31 Thoughts was like, oh yeah, no, we've been asked about Tatar and Petrie because those guys could get a whole, uh, decent package, but they want to be good next year so they don't want to trade them. It's like, come on. Yeah, well, and the worst part about when people say that is we see at the draft, if you can get first and second round picks, those get traded for players who are first and sec- second liners all the time. Like, just because you sell doesn't mean you can't parlay that into something that helps you next year. Yeah. You don't have to take the picks. You can if you want. But. Exactly. Like, you don't need to take the guys and wait for them to develop for four years. But also, like, it's not like this Montreal team's one year just a bad luck. They've convinced themselves that the reason they've been so bad this year is injuries, and that is fine to a partial extent, but it's not like if this team was completely healthy, they're a cup contender. Yeah, their true talent is... A wildcard team. The second yeah. wildcard team in the East. Like, that's where I had them this year, the first wildcard team, yeah, whatever. Like plus or minus two or three spots. Exactly. That's sort of their range. Like, of. it's just... That's not something you should be counting on, right? Like... And I get that's how they built, but like you, you'd think you'd want to try and tear it, not tear it down, but retool a little bit with guys like Petrie and Tatar. Where yeah. it's like if you can get two firsts for those, you can either draft someone to be helpful in two years, or you can go and trade it for a younger guy. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like take that first, and I don't even think you'd take a first to trade for this guy, but like go get Andre Cache. Like yeah, go pick great. him up. That would be better than having Tatar, in my opinion. Oh, and you 100%. probably gain assets from it. So yeah. it's like it's just something like, like do, make a move like that where it's like. You're both helping your team, but also rebuilding for this year. I, yeah, just, exactly. I don't understand it. The NHL is just so, so back, not backwards, just so caught in the past with their thinking. But yeah, it's just so like the standings, the false parity. I think really hurts. Yes, if if they had the three point <laughs> system where it's like you don't look like you're still in the playoffs despite being minus or like below eight games and true five hundred because yeah. of the loser point and stuff like that, it would definitely be a lot better. Or it would definitely be, I think, a lot better to the market and, like, GMs for making them do stuff. Because it's like... But even, like, the you know, I think they probably try and talk themselves into... Eh, no, maybe not. I don't know. Because, like, if you have the three-point system and you're, say, nine points out instead of four, you'd be like, oh, well, that's only three games, right? But it's like... Yeah. You know, it's not going to be the case, obviously, like that. But also, it just looks way worse when you're nine points out versus three or whatever. Yeah, people get caught up in the sort of, like, raw number yeah. as opposed to what it actually implies. Even if it's the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. 61 points. Like, the Canadians are very unlikely to make the playoffs, even though they're only six, yeah, five no. points out of their own division. Yeah, exactly. And they should be selling, but now they've, they've run, run off a bunch since the All-Star break, and now they're, they're getting to the point where it's like they're convincing themselves they might be a yeah, team that can yeah. make a push for it. It's like, okay, no, but sure, go for it, I guess. Like. Even if, like even if they do slide into eighth, the eighth seed, I don't think this is a good enough team to knock off. No, congrats! You're gonna get pumped by Boston or yeah. Tampa or Washington. You know, if you even get into the seventh seed yeah. somehow, like, and you're gonna get pumped by those teams, whether you have Thomas Tatar or a second round pick. Exactly. So, I, whatever. Um, Buffalo or Toronto next? Let's do Toronto. I guess this will be the big talking point. So I have a little bit of a rant, but we also have a trade. So let's. You don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on my rant first. So I'm not as angry about this. Uh, 
it is insane to me how incapable Toronto Twitter, the Leafs Twitter is of handling a loss in a it's season. It's ridiculous it right now. It is insane. They lose a game, and so I get the Florida one was a meltdown. Like, that was, your starting goalie comes in, Hutchinson comes in and craps the bed. CeCe didn't play good by, he played very, very bad, to put it lightly. Um, that is a tough game because it's a team you're chasing in the playoffs. I get that. Be mad about it. Don't go the, this team sucks, we need to tear it down, this team is never going to be good, we're not making the playoffs. Yeah, it's like every loss is a referendum on how, on this hockey team, and every win is just expected and adds no value. Yeah, every win it's like, oh, well, you only beat the team by, like, they beat Anaheim, and it's like, yeah, you should be beating Anaheim in more than overtime or whatever, but it's like, even after that, it's just like... I, I don't know. Like I, I just see so many takes where it's just like, after every game, you'd think that the world is ending. Do you know who Bill Walsh is? Not off the top of my head. So he's like the coach of the 49ers dynasty oh, in football, yeah. like the Joe Montana and Steve Young teams or whatever. So he talked about he had to step away from coaching because he realized winning was just breaking even and then losing killed him. And that's all I can think of with yeah. the loose Twitter right it, now. It's just like... Because winning is not special, but losing is like, holy shit, the house is on fire. Every player on this team is bad. And well, the like, team is a dumpster fire. I'll even think of one more, because like the winning is not special. Like, yes, because like uh, people don't... Like, you're right when they say you just ex- like, the fans have just expected a win. And that's fine. Like And again, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to be a fan. Because I'll get into that rant in a second, too. But it's like... Be a fan however you want. Fandom's meant to be overreacting. But there's a difference between overreacting after a loss, like, damn, that really sucked or whatever. It's like, I'm mad. Or being upset over a loss and going, this team sucks. We need to trade, like, four different pieces if we ever want to be good. That's just being stupid. That's not using any logic. And it's just like, so to me, so it's like the the one thing I thought. And so I wanted to record on Thursday because I was uh, pumped up about this, right? Um... It was when you when the team lost a game, it's, oh, this team sucks. We need to trade away. CC should be banished. Hutchinson should be banished. We need to go pick up, like, three other players or whatever, right? Yep. When this team wins, it's like, there we go. That's the team we know. We're, like, Stanley Cup contenders. It's like, okay, if you're going from a, a win to a loss and you think the only thing that's going to stop you from being Cup contenders is your number four D-man and your backup goaltender, you're either overreacting to your number four D-man or your backup goaltender or you're not as close to a cup contender as you think you are. Yeah. Because it's like, I hate to say it, like, yes, CC sucks ass. I I have known this for four years. I have watched that guy for multiple years on Ottawa suck. But if he is the reason you're not a cup... Ottawa made the conference finals and was one goal away from going to the Stanley Cup finals a with him. A team way worse yes, than the Leafs currently. Yes, with him playing top pair minutes as a shutdown pair with Dion Phaneuf. If he's the reason this team can't make it to a playoff spot, let alone win a couple rounds, maybe you should be looking at the team itself as more of an issue. And I'm not saying that as, like, I think Toronto has issues because, honestly, like, they're missing their number one defenseman. Morgan Riley's Muzzin out. They're miss. They're missing. They're missing Muzzin. Anderson was out. Like I think that's the bigger issue with the team. But it's Anderson like, not being Anderson is by far the biggest yes. issue. But it's like <clears> if you're going to be blaming your number four defenseman in Cody CC for being out, who's you know has been since Keith has taken over. I think has been used closer to a number four. Like I don't think his his time on ice has been that outrageous. I believe it's been declining. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if you're going to blame <clears> him. Maybe you should be looking at the rest of your team instead. But they don't. 
But if you looked at the rest of the team, you'd see, oh, Morgan Riley's out. Frederick Anderson hasn't been playing well this year, and right as he got playing good, he got hurt again, right? Yeah. It's like we've missed, you know, half our forward core for half the year. You know, Muzzin's been out. You know, half our defense core was out. Tyson Berry's only just started getting good again. Like, it, I mean, but you don't, they don't use that logic, and that, that's the thing. So there was someone who tweeted out, and, you know, he takes a lot of shit for his takes no matter what. That He could say murder's bad, and he'd have people online saying, oh, what the hell's wrong with you? Or, or is it Jeffler? Like yes. Yeah. And it's like... So he tweeted out something about, you know, like, it's. A, I think he tweeted pretty much what I just said, is how it's incapable of Leafs Twitter to take a loss. And he got a lot of heat from, like, like people who talk to him daily, too. It's like, this is a bad take. Don't tell people how to be fans. I don't think that's telling people how to be fans. Also, no. it's like, you get, if someone's saying, hey, maybe we should think logical about this, and you say, screw you, you're telling someone else how to be a fan. Yeah, like, well, that's the thing. I'm not telling... Neither are you, obviously, telling people how to be fans, but just as an observer, it seems like Leafs Twitter is especially, like, on edge this year. Yeah. Like, beyond any other team I've yeah, seen. It, exactly. Well, it's just like, again, like, the Florida thing's the thing I go back to. Yeah, that game, that is a gutting game. You don't want to lose that game. Yeah, that sucks. But it's like, and after the game, be upset. Be like, damn, we've just pissed away two points. And be like, yeah, Cody CC, you suck. Michael Hutchinson, you suck. You're both garbage. The rest of the team shut down when they had a three-goal lead. That sucks. Be be mad because you should be mad about that. You should you have yeah, every right to be angry about that. But don't follow that up with, yeah, those two guys are the only reason we suck. You know, those two guys are the reason that this team is not in the playoff spot right now. It's just like that. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it, it's insane um, how incapable they were of handling a loss. Yeah, it's like, been really bad all year for that. Like, it feels like every loss is a referendum yes. on how to play hockey. And obviously any team with expectations is going to have that as well. Um, but, like, Tampa, people didn't say you can't win with skilled players when Tampa Bay was, str- yeah. quote-unquote, struggling at the start of the year. Like, nobody really blinked. No, but, and, you know, and that's part of the market, too. There's just so many, you know, uh, so much media that it's like you're going to get <clears> all kinds of takes as well, so you're going to get a lot of stupid ones. Yeah. But, I don't know. Like, I just want to rant about just like how insane and how funny it is logging on to Twitter, seeing everyone just lose their damn mind yeah, when like, uh, the Leafs lose a three-two game. Even the Rangers game, <clears> like, or sorry, no, the Habs game the other day. Um, they the Habs had eleven shots after two periods, and then they came out and they destroyed the Leafs in the third period. Yeah, and it's like even after that, it's like yeah, okay, there's you know you should be mad about that third period, but people are treating it as if the Leafs just never showed up. It was like, no, they just probably should have had another goal or two in the first two periods. Yeah, there was another game like that, if I remember correctly, where they had just, like, dominated the other team, but they lost. And Keith said, look, we played that game, we win 99 times out of yeah. 100, and people were losing it pe- at him. It's like, yeah, people like, take that as, like, oh, you you lost the one time. It's like, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, that's fine. It's exactly what he's saying. You're going to lose games that yeah. you play better than the other team a lot in yeah. the NHL. It's like they're, they're lucky because Florida hasn't done them any fa- or Florida's done them a bunch of favors, too. They've lost a couple games now. They've lost three in a row. Yeah. So, you know, Florida is two points behind them, two games in hand. So now you're just hoping that Florida loses a couple more, and then you're still just in a playoff spot. <laughs> you're sitting in a playoff spot. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, Frederick Anderson better not be out for too long. So we'll talk about the trade in a second. Um, <clears throat> if you're Toronto, though, you have to hope that Anderson's back this week, I would yeah. assume. You have to hope Anderson's yeah, He's back. skating and everything, so it's like it sounds like he shouldn't be too long. It's his neck, but so you don't want to rush that, obviously. But that gets to the trade, I guess, that we can uh, discuss. They pick up Jack Campbell and um, uh, Kyle Clifford for a third round, two third round picks this year and next year's. 
the next year's third round pick can turn into a second round pick if Campbell wins six games with the Leafs, and he's already got one of those so far. And they also sent Trevor Moore back to L.A. Um, I like this trade a lot for L.A. I guess we'll start with that. Uh, on those sense. I yeah, there's no way LA fans could look at this as a negative. They were pissed, though. Did you see the LA team tweet out the trade? No. All their fans were like, what on earth is this? We only got that? Why would we trade these two guys? No, I think it was... I thought they, I was like, what were you expecting for Kyle Clifford, who is great in the room by all accounts, and like is a good fourth-line player? He's great shot yeah, metrics. Exactly. It's like he's, he's one of those guys where he's not going to score much, but he's not going to give much up when he's out there either. Yeah, you're so, like, just a perfect fourth-liner. What were you expecting for that, other than like two-thirds and a a good bottom six guy. Yeah, he's younger. More can more can hang on the yeah. same role. He's got some role that he's got Kyle some speed which LA playing. desperately needs, so it's like you can play on your second or, or third or fourth line. Yeah. Yeah. He's like deceivingly I, old for a rookie, but maybe there's some upside there with Trevor Moore too. You never yeah, know. I mean, he's what, 24, 25? Yeah, I think. He's so. twenty four. I think he was five years younger than Clifford. So it's like that's fine. For I looked at it as like you know, you can look at it however you want, but it's like I looked at it as like you could even Trevor Moore for Kyle Clifford or Trevor Moore and a third for Kyle Clifford and then a third that could turn into a second for Jack Campbell. Yeah. And so that's I think that's reasonable, right? They, they're bad. They pick up some picks. They've they, done good at drafting. That's perfect. For exactly. Them. Like, I don't know what more you can ask for as an LA fan, but they were pissed about it for some reason. That's wild. To me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then, you know, so, but from Toronto's perspective, I think it's fine. I think I'm a little worried for Toronto's draft sake, like I think Toronto showed that they can be a pretty good drafting team in the depth rounds. Like Dubas hasn't had a problem with that. Their scouting department's pretty solid, right? Yeah. So it's like As I'm not should be with yeah. all their resources. So it's like when you have three seventh round picks and three sixth round picks, maybe you're just counting that you know the value of those aren't actually too much worse than your third round pick. Yeah, I mean, people on Twitter always talk about how after the 25th pick in the first round, the value you're basically better off trading down, and I guess the Leafs are going to be yeah. one hell of a natural test for that. They're now at two fourth, three sixth, and three sevenths this year. But I am a little concerned just about how many assets they're throwing around in terms of draft picks. But for a team that hasn't made it out of the first round, but like this was a pretty necessary trade just in terms of if you want to make the playoffs and you absolutely should if you're Toronto this year. Yeah. Um, I like the Clifford addition. It's fine. I don't. I don't think they're going to miss Trevor more too much because they have guys in their system who can play his role. No. Um, so I think the Kyle Clifford edition is fine. You know, when you talk about um, being good in the room, I think this is the perfect way to add someone like that. Because he's legitimately amazing underlying. Yeah, numbers. he's good on, he's great on ice. He can add the toughness or whatever. And he's also, from all accounts, very good in the room. So it's like, you hit all three. It's like, this is where you can justify acquiring someone who has uh, um, uh, intangibles, yeah, exactly. in my opinion, right? Like, you shouldn't be justifying that. It shouldn't be the first thing you justify when it's a $6 million Milan Lucic you're signing. But if it's an 800K Kyle Clifford where you're giving him a third-round pick for him, it's like, yeah, he also... And it's not the first thing that people say about him. It's when you're when the GM acquires him, it's like, oh, yeah, he's a good player, he's tough on the ice too, yeah. and he has good intangibles. It's like, okay, that's perfect, right? Yeah, it's the dream depth player. For this team. Jack Campbell, yeah. it's clear that they need to do something other than Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about Jack Campbell. Knowing it's, it's an interesting bet. So, like, he has been an above-average goalie in his time Last in the year, NHL. he was very, very... So, he's only had two years in the NHL, pretty yeah. much. And they've both been, like, 30-game samples. So, it's not like you're pulling from a very big sample here. Yeah. Last year, he was very, very good. Yeah. This year, he's been slightly below average. He hasn't been... Good, but like the thing is, you know, you kind of wonder how, you know, I know goal saved above average, and you know, all that stuff accounts for shot quality and stuff like that. 
I still kind of wonder to what degree, and that's not on the models by any means. It's just the lack of tracking data that we have, obviously. That King's defense core is bad. Yeah. I guarantee you. Very bad. I guarantee you won't be able to name four of the defensemen out right now. <laughs> Doughty. My second thought was going to be Muzzin. Yeah, and he's not on it. There's oh, two that you absolutely should have because one's on there. We talked about Martinez. one. Martinez. Yeah. Is Jersey playing on their decor? I don't believe so. Oh, God. I'm trying to think. So, Doughty, Doughty Muzzin, is Dursey on there? No. Okay, then that's probably all I got. Doughty Martinez, Joachim Her- Ryan is on their first pair. Oh, God. Sean Walker's on their second pair. Matt Roy and Curtis McDermott. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard of Curtis McDermott ever. Nope. Or Matt Roy. Well, I've not known Matt Roy either. I've heard of Joachim Ryan and Sean Walker. Yeah. But Joachim- Walker even was just because he played with them last year, too. I hadn't heard of him before that either. Bottom six. Trevor Moore's on their third line with Blake Lizotte? Is that how you say that? Sure. I don't know. Austin Wagner. Nikolai Prokhorkin. Mike Amadio. And then Carl Gunstrom. Who are these players? Like, it's bad when we don't know most of their bottom six and half of their decor. Yeah. Let's be honest, if Trevor Moore was raised in the LA Kings system and not the Leafs, you'd have no clue. No, same with, Carl, same with Carl Gunstrom. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just one of those where it's like, this team is bad. And, you know, I know their underlying numbers aren't horrible. It's just, at some point, your talent is going to be very bad. And it's like, I so I kind of, when we get back to the Jack Campbell thing, I kind of wonder if it's like, that might have a little bit of an effect on it this year. But I think it's a cautiously optimistic bet. I like this move more than paying... More than Rasmus Sandin, I guess, for um, what's his name in uh, Gorgiev, Gorgiev in New yes. York. Obviously, I even just like capping in for Gorgiev would have been stupid, in my opinion. I'd rather bet on someone like Campbell, yeah. where it's like, even if he just provides you with a 907 save percentage or whatever, where it's like, he doesn't cost you too many games, but he's not going to win you too many either. It's like, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Even so, he's been, he's got 12 goals saved above average on his career. If you regress that all the way to average and you think, oh, he's just going to stop exactly what's expected of him, nothing less, nothing more, that's the perfect backup for one. Exactly. Yeah, and so he makes 1.65, and you know people are worried about that for the cap-wise. Uh, Toronto's going to have a little more room next year to work with stuff. They've got a bunch of salary coming off the books and stuff like that. So, you know, more uh, Cody CeCe's four and a half is coming off. Yeah, it's um, a little much for his cap cap strap teams backup goalie but also if that's the reason you can't make things work then yeah exactly it's like well and you also have like next year you should have Sandine and Lilligren playing full time so you know you're going to have um Tyson Berry's probably going to come off Jake Muzzin might you, you I think they sound like they want to resign him but I also feel like Dubas probably I realizes don't that like that idea if they sign him for 3 or 4 years I think it's fine yeah but then that but anything more than that is yeah, the problem is any contract that I like for Jake Muzzin, you flip the table, and, and why would I he find sign, Jake right? up, yeah. or Jake Muzzin's exactly. agent, you're like, do not sign that. You will get way more money elsewhere. Exactly. Well, so yeah, it just depends what Muzzin really wants, and he's already won two cups, so it's like, maybe you know, I'm not going to say obviously every player wants to win, but it's like I wouldn't blame him for wanting a payday over giving yourself the best possible outcome to get a cup, right? Yeah. Because you've already got two, so it's like, yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like. The Leafs can't be giving him more than like six by four. Yeah, I saw six by five floated, and I think that would be a bad contract. 
Well, they make him 35 or 36 by the time it's done. And he yeah. plays a style that can drop off a cliff like that. Immediately. Especially like, when you already have Riley and hopefully Sandine on the left side. Like, yeah. I get Muzzin is good right now, but there's a pretty good chance he's not even in like three years. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you got to be careful. But my point is more just like there's got they've got money coming off the books and the cap is rising as well. So yeah. the extra couple hundred grand, the other 500 grand or whatever it is for the, the backup goaltender is fine. Like, I don't know. If if Jack Campbell can be a guy who, going forward, can take, say, 25, 20 to 25 starts a year and even just save three goals above average, I don't think any Leafs fan should be complaining I think about that's that. amazing. Yes. If you get any above average for a backup goalie, that is exactly. amazing. You so, can't complain. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a fine move. I'm a little concerned about the assets that Toronto's been throwing around. I underst- like I understand it in a vacuum. It's just when you look at that they haven't had a first for two years. They've now given up a third and either a second next year or a third next year. I'm not like it's not like, oh my God, this team's so screwed or whatever. It's just like you gotta be a little cautious, especially because they by all accounts want to add another defenseman this year. Yeah. And you would think that probably means giving up a second round pick. Like if, it, if, if it's a good top four defenseman, you would assume it's one of Kapanen or Janssen and then Probably a second-round pick. Yeah, assuming it's like a real quality defenseman. Yeah, exactly. I don't right? think you really want to add a fourth, number four D-man that badly. No, I don't think this roster needs, especially because Luligans look good in a short sample. Santines look pretty good in a short sample. I'd rather just use them as their own self-rental and be yeah. like, okay, let's see what we got with these two guys. See right? if they can be a great bottom pair for us. Exactly, and then yeah. go Muzzenberry, uh, Riley... And Dermot, or, you know, some combo of, you know, maybe you put in one of Sandine or Lilligren, well, and Hall as well, sorry. Hall's up there as well. Hall muzzin, so, yeah. Yeah, so you have a lot of options there, right? Yeah. You know? um, I guess my, my only thing other with the Leafs is, uh, so CC's out with a high ankle sprain. He'll be out for a little while. Um, a couple things on that for Twitter. Uh, I saw some people... You know, I don't, you don't want to celebrate anyone's injury. You shouldn't be openly hoping that someone gets injured. I also saw some people acting as if people saying, wow, this probably makes the team better, treating that as saying, thank God he got cancer or something like that. Yeah. You know, like, I get you don't want anyone to be injured. That's fair. But, like, also just saying, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough spot because I'm not trying to say you should be celebrating a dude's injury, but also, like... No, like, it sucks for him he got hurt, but also you can recognize that, hey, this is probably beneficial for the hockey team I cheer pe- for at the same time. People were crucifying people online for saying that, oh, okay, he has a high ankle sprain, get well in a while, right? Like, they are crucifying that as if it was like, hey, I hope you never play hockey again. You know, obviously that would be... If someone's saying that, that's obviously crossed the line. But saying it's like, okay, now we can see what Lilligren has. People were like, wow, wishing injury on someone. Yeah. Classic Leafs fans is like, okay, come on, no. Yeah, like you don't have to wish injury on them, but recognizing the situation might have some benefits. Yes. It's fine. Um, do you think when he comes back, if Lilligren and Sandine play even just as a fine third pair, do you think CC finds his way back into this lineup? God, I hope not, but probably. <laughs> like, Dubas is... Like, I think the team does like Cody Ceci. Well, his impact, like, so, I don't know, because they obviously have their private metrics. Yeah. His defensive impact this year has been, like, positive. Yeah. His, his offense has been very, very negative to the point where it's like he's been a negative player, slightly. But, like, not that bit. Like, and I think that's, you know what, I think that's kind of, it's weird that his defensive impacts look so positive. But it's like, I feel like him being just slightly below replacement level, or slightly below average value for what he should be. Kind of feels like where I would assume Cody Cece would be, if that makes any sense. 
Like in a third pair role, he just kind of seems to me like a guy where it's like he's a forgettable yeah, third pair exactly. defenseman. Like he's not, he's not the worst. Like evolving hockey has him estimated at negative zero point three standing points above replacement, exactly. which is if that's on your bottom pair, you're exactly. Fine. And then that's the thing where it's like fans treat him as if he's the worst player to ever. And like, brace the team. And he's it's like, bad. He's, oh, like, he's not good. He's And he's horrible to watch. But it's like one of those things where it's like he does nothing good. It's like, okay, that's not really true. Like, he's got a fine breakout pass. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like you shouldn't be spending $4.5 million. Exactly. Him, if he was on a league minimum contract, there would really be no reason to talk about him all no, that much. No, not really. The um, odd, like, defensive blunder. You'd be like, my God, this, yes. this is annoying. But, like, yeah. he's, yeah. I don't, he's just I, a forgettable... It's, sixth defense. I think one thing the Leafs have going for them is that uh, Keith. I think really likes Lilligren. He really he used him a ton with the Marlies. Yeah. Like he was the first number one guy. Same with Sandine. So it's like if those two guys just play fine, like just play okay. I think that you know the coach will like them enough that they might have the benefit of the doubt there. That's what I'm hoping for because it's not like Lilligren has to come up and be like a top four defenseman. He just has to be a good number six, and then hey, you're an upgrade, and you can easily talk yourself into giving him the shot. And hopefully that means they move on from CZ, but also if they don't, then yeah, it wouldn't shock me because they have repetitively said nice things about him. And I think we should probably just accept that the team likes Cody CZ more than we do yes. at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, the only other thing I want to bring up, and we're running a little short on time here, but I want to talk about it, Buffalo Sabres. Um, their fans are just kind of openly rioting on this team. Yeah, uh, it is gone to hell. It's, it's rough in Buffalo right now. It is very rough. Um, so they have completely slipped out of a playoff spot. They currently sit at 56 points, which puts them well, 10 short pretty much of a playoff spot. Um, they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10, which is better than the previous five games that they were or whatever. Uh, they have uh, – the, the, the bottom has just fallen out on this team. They've – and they're, Yeah, they're – well, they keep going on winning streaks to start the season that makes everybody go like, oh, this team's finally going to be our year where it's like we can be like the, the give them hope and then they just completely uh, bottom out. Yeah. So I think everyone's probably heard the caller, Dwayne or whatever his name is, um, the, the passionate call to the Buffalo radio. And then he was on a couple podcasts, Steve Dangle, I think, had it. Uh, and he seems like a great guy and he feels like he probably perfectly embodies what Buffalo mm-hmm. Uh, his fans are feeling, but again, it's. So, I would assume that's why they've all rallied around yes, him so much, is yeah. because he says what. And it's all fair thinking. enough. Like I would be sick of this. This is like year eight of losing. Yeah. And they just haven't. They're not any better than where they were. Right, like the year that they before they got Jack or yeah, the year before they got Jack Eichel, where it's like not the year where they really tried to tank, but it's like just the year before where it's yeah. like they weren't great with Jack Eichel. They have a star who like is literally in like the heart conversation for some people right now. And they're nowhere near a playoff spot because the guy who's there paying $9 million has like seven goals or something like that. Yeah. Or 11 or whatever. And it's like from there on, like they have some – I liked their offseason. I thought it was fun. Other than the Skinner contract, I thought that was bad, but I didn't think it was going to affect them right away. Yeah, like it was the like, Yogi Haru trade was good. I thought the Johansson deal was fine, like 4.5 for two years. I thought that was a good call. He hasn't yeah. worked out. I thought the VC thing was fine. Connor Sheary, you know, I thought that's okay. Like, you know, like I just – I don't know. Like this team, the Colin Miller thing I thought was fine. Yeah, that- but all these, every move is just backfired. The team sucks. Yeah, they're just not a good team. No. And I, I think, so the one thing that stuck out with me is the, the call, like Dwayne, he, he had mentioned, he's like, we weren't really expecting playoffs, but we wanted to be competitive towards playoffs. They should not have expected even close to competitive. <laughs> but like, I get, like, so, la- and last year they got all mad because they went on a 10-game winning streak and then a 10-game losing streak. 
But, like, last year we kind of talked about, like, they finished last, 8th last or 7th last or whatever. Like, that's exactly where they should have been. Last year, Dom had him projected to be, like, a bottom five team. And guess where yeah. you have him projected again? And guess what they're exactly. reasonably like, close to again? This is like, kind of like where, like, right now, if, they, if the season ended today and they finished about 10 points out of a playoff spot, that's where I would expect them to be. That would put them at... Uh, one that would put them roughly fifth last in the East or fourth last in the East, Seven, eighth and last eighth in last in the league, or you know even close to that. Like say you know things change, they're fifty eight, fifty nine. They could be anywhere from fifth last in the or sorry eighth last in the league to like twelfth last in the league. Yeah. That's exactly where I thought this team should be. And if you're saying you don't expect playoffs, being say tenth last in the league puts you at 21st, that's exactly where you where should you expect you to be, too. Yeah. But it's just that this team gives them so much hope by playing so unrealistically good to start the year and then just, you know, sucks to end the year. Yeah, now the nice thing is, I assume Botterill is going to be fired. Yes, and I like mm. I think that's fine. No, I, that is not nice. Like, I'm not saying it's yeah. good. He's, I don't cheer for people no, who have jobs like, or whatever, but, like, so the new guy who comes in has a pretty much a clean slate, and that is very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's got... The Jeff Skinner contract really sucks, but... You have like your whole for everyone but three forwards are up this year. Acapozo's still there, but oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure he's on LTIR. He's on. He's oh, not no, injured. Just injured. Yeah, he'll be playing. But yeah, and Olafson, I guess as well. But Olafson, and he's up this year too. But you'll you'll keep him. But, but like, if you wanted, you could overhaul like six spots on this forward. At court. least, probably more. Yeah. Like, you could overhaul this whole thing if you wanted. Your defense court could have some tooling again too. Bogosian's probably going to get traded. Colin Miller, you might just have to bite. It doesn't sound like he has much league value, but it's like I don't think that's the worst thing to bite on him. You could still trade Ristolainen for a lot. Yeah, apparently. and then you, and then you have like a young decor, but you have a decor that you can work with. I think. Yeah. So no, it's like yeah, if they're they're new GM. It's not like this team is in a t- terrible position. It's just they need to find talent. They're They've kind, been so bad at drafting. They're kind of in that spot with like Edmonton, where we're like, look, they're bad, and I don't see many ways out of it other than just. Waiting, yeah, or like five. You have to draft well, and they haven't done that. Casey Middlestad has been such a bust, and he's been bad in the age. And nobody saw it coming, too, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, like, uh, you know, you have in the minors, it's just you don't have money. You have Rasmus Asplund, he's not going to be your savior, no. You know, like on, on the defensive end of things, you have some 22 and 23 year olds, but no one is like, oh my god, yeah, if this guy comes in, we're we're just gonna be we're gonna be great. They have like in net, they have Linus Olmark, who might be something. They have Uka Pekka Lukanen, who I hope to God become an amazing goaltender, just so we can hear that name and make people write it out as much as possible. The poor announcers and writers who have to write that up. That is great. So I hope that he can make it to the NHL at some point. But it's like, yeah, like this team is like. The problem, the biggest issue is it's just kind of like the Connor McDavid thing where it's like you can't waste another year of Connor McDavid. Jack Eichel's now become a legitimate star in this league and it's, he's already 23 years old. And it's not like, it's not like he's going to suck in two years or anything. No. But it's like you don't want to be wasting prime Jack Eichel. But you and, don't have a choice. No, but really. I say, and you are going to be wasting prime Jack Eichel yeah. now because of this. Like even if the, whoever you think the best GM in the league is, if he took this team over, they're still... Most likely outcome next year is not a playoff well, team. The best GMs are the best GMs because they take their time and do stuff. Yeah. Like Steve Eiserman is considered the best GM. Joe Sackick is now considered one of the best GMs because they took three he years the to long do something. Game yeah. on the Joe Sackick, for, and... it's amazing the 180 on Joe Sackick's reputation, and fairly so too. People want Joe Sackick fired and thought he was just another name brand former good player that they like, didn't know what he was doing. And it's like, how could you not trade Duchesne by by now? It's like you're just tanking his value. And then he pulls off the heist of the century, getting a fourth overall pick. Yeah. And then 
It's like, oh, by the way, we also have Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. It's like, oh, by the way, we're going to make some really crafty free agent deals to actually upgrade our depth. Oh, by the way, we waited on Nathan McKinnon to become a legit star, and now he has, or we locked him up right before he became a legit star, and now he has, and now we have the best contract in the league from a purely value, like a money to point standpoint, right? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, the best GMs in the league take time, and, you know, that sucks because that's, you know, if you're a Buffalo fan, that's not what you want to hear because you've already taken time. You've taken a seven-year rebuild by this point or a six-year rebuild. Yeah. Like, this team's been bad. When was the last time this team made playoffs? 2012? 2013? Uh, I believe they've missed for nine years, assuming they missed this year. So that would be 2011? Yeah, that sounds right. 2011, 2012? 2011. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, and... You know, and then the 2012, 2013, I think they were kind of like around the edge but didn't make it. And then 2014, they accepted that they were bad. And 2015 was the McEichel tank. Yeah. But they just, and they haven't grown. That's the problem. Like, Wasn't 14, 15 the McEichel tank? Yeah, but like yeah. 13, 14, oh, they weren't yeah, good. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, and then, yeah, like that's the problem. So, like, in Jack Eichel's rookie year, there was a stat I think Dmitry Filipovich put out couple like a week ago yeah. like, uh, Jack Eichel's rookie year the Buffalo Sabres were on pace to be like a minus 22 goal differential team uh, with this underlying metrics and had this oh, was on pace for this many points in year five of Jack Eichel this is it and it was one point upgraded pretty yeah, much it's like, it's like it's like that's an issue and that's an issue on the GM and you know that's a problem like that it's a problem yeah. uh, there's no other way to put it and it's like again the moves were fine but they didn't work out and at some point you need them to work out but you also wouldn't need to be relying on four free agent signings if you just drafted a little better or you got like multiple really good players for Ryan O'Reilly yeah well and that's the other thing that's the thing I didn't even talk about the Ryan O'Reilly trade is horrible yeah and it was like and that was the GM that is on the job now, and they trade him because he was a cancer in the locker room. Guess what? He goes, wins a Selkie, wins an MVP playoff performer, and wins a Stanley Cup in his first year off the team. Yep. So maybe it's your damn team to look at, not him. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's, oh, I'm so happy. You know, and, and I don't want to say, like, like obviously Ryan O'Reilly had that thing in the Tim Hortons where he, like, I'm not going to say he's a perfect guy by any means, but it's like, I'm so happy with someone who's actually good on the ice and the team sucks around him where it's like, but they blame him to as a character him. guy. It's like to see him go and actually have success. It was like, hey, maybe if you have guys who are good results on your team, it's the people around him who suck that yeah. you need to upgrade and not the people with bad results but well, are good in the room. that was the worst part. It was like, oh, he quit on the team because he said he didn't love playing hockey anymore yeah. or whatever, which I could see how playing for this team would take your love yeah. of hockey. But I still had him as like the 16th best forward in the league or something like that. So maybe if he's that good and quitting on hockey, you probably shouldn't dump him off for a prospect no one is particularly high on. And two horrible bottom six yeah, players. two of the worst players in the league. And a second-round pick or yeah. whatever it was. But yeah, and then you just look at their drafting. Alex Nylander, bust. Casey Middlestead looking like a bust. You know, like, there's just... I don't even know who... List of Sabres first-round picks. Hockey reference probably has everything. Um, you got rid of Robin Leonard, who then immediately became an amazing goaltender. And I think a lot of that was also going to... Um, going to the Islanders, but, but still... But he's been good since. Yeah, it's like he was good right? in... Um, he was good in uh, Chicago as well. Yes. Okay, so I'm just going through their... It's not necessarily the first-round picks, although two of them have been especially bad. It's the fact that they get nothing from their depth picks. So in the past five drafts, they have... uh, Make that no good players outside of the first round. 
Yeah, so like, They're so 2019, they have Dylan Cozens, who looks like an okay, like a decent player too. Yeah, that's promising. But then after that, like Ryan Johns, I haven't even heard of the rest of the guys after here. And I'm not a prospect guy by any means. But then you have Deline, which is good. But then like, their last markedly good non-first round pick was Tyler Ennis in 2008. Oh no, he's a first round pick. He was just their second one. Like, there's just nothing there. No, like Brendan Gooley is was a player, but I don't think he's even done much. There's literally nothing there. Victor Olsson was a four, seventh round pick in fourteen. Okay, I guess you can count that. Yeah, that's but, fair. But like, like you just look at so like you know so Hockey DB right now we're on has all the games played totals for all of the NHL totals. So from 2018, only the leans played. From 2017, only Middlestead has played any games. And he's been at 114 games and been horrible in those 114 yep. games. From 2016, Alex Nylander has played under 70 games, a nice 69. <laughs> and uh, Rasmus Asplund has played 29 games, and that's it. Um, from 2015, Eichel's played a bunch. But you don't Gooley's get credit played, for the no, Eichel pick. Gooley's played 48, and another guy's played four. That is pathetic. Like, from 2014... You've had Sam Reinhardt's played a bunch. Fine, that's fine. But he's also the second overall pick. Brendan Lemieux's played 115 games. And been terrible. Yeah. Uh, you've had a guy played three, and Victor Olsen's now played 48 games. Um, from 2013, you've had Nikita Zadorov. I guess that was a fine pick, but he's not even playing on your team anymore. Yeah, he's not even Because he's sent him away. JT Comfer is a fine pick. But he it's like, hasn't been great either no, but in Colorado. Yeah. It's again, like, and those guys aren't even playing on your team. Yeah. Yeah, you had like guys like Justin Bailey played a couple games, Nick Baptiste, uh, Cal Pedersen. But it's just like yeah, none of these guys have been good. Like they've just been garbage at drafting. Yeah, then 2012, you know, so Mikhail Gregorenko, Zemgis Gurgensen. Now we're going so back so far it doesn't matter. But it's just like the fact of the matter is part of the reason this team's been bad since 2012 is because they haven't been able to draft since 2012. Yeah. You know, and like you, you don't get credit for the Dillian pick and you don't get credit for the Eichel pick because those were the most – the easiest picks you could take yeah. at those and situations. And even Reinhardt's been good. But like as far as second overall picks go, I'm not sure most teams dream of drafting Sam Reinhardt second. No, overall. I mean yeah, it's like even I mean, if you're aware of how good his underlying. Yeah, I mean I think that was a weak draft too. If I remember, like I don't think there was what was that 2014? Yeah, but it was Drysaddle not the pick right after? Oh, maybe it was then. Yeah, um, 2014 NHL entry draft. Oh, so yeah, it was Drysaddle next, and Sam Bennett, which is a bust, and then yeah. you get the Del Cole. But Nylander goes. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. It's yeah, so it's like fun, dry sidles yeah. the big miss there, but it's also but not that's like fun. yeah, that's yeah. okay. Never mind. It's when not you, as bad as Ehlers was there too, but it's like when you're taking like the third best, or honestly, like Reinhardt and Ekblad are probably comparable too. So it's like dry sidles the big miss, and that's on one hand too. But it's like when you're taking a guy who it's like when you're at the time you can see how the draft kind of falls. You're like, okay, that's fair enough, right? Like you look at the players who are better than Reinhardt now, probably Dylan Larkin. Yeah, went fifteenth. Pasternak at twenty four. Yeah, Pasternak's a big one, but like again, a bunch of people passed on Pasternak. Nylander and Ehlers at eight and nine. Yeah, but I, so it's like dry settles the big miss there, right? Yeah. But uh, that's yeah, that's not the end of the world, I guess. So never mind. Yeah, it's not as bad as I thought. But still, their drafting has been a yeah. But yeah, it's not like you're getting credit for making that pick either, right? It's like it's the second overall pick, and you didn't pick the best player. Yeah. Where it's like you didn't pick the worst. Like you didn't pick Sam Bennett at second overall or anything like that. Yeah. But it's like. Yeah, like I like Sam Reinhardt. It's just he's not when he's easily the second best forward on your team right now. You have some trouble. Yeah, you're that's gonna an be issue. yeah, like far and away the second best player too. So, um, all right. I don't have anything else. Do you? 
No, poor Buffalo. Yeah, poor Buffalo was right. I, I like seeing them good, too. It's fun watching them in the Leafs play. And Especially because you got the obvious, like, Eichel-Matthews rivalry and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it, it has the potential to be something, but you need the Sabres to not suck. Exactly. Okay, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, me and Chase are trying to get uh, back onto a more weekly schedule. Uh, we realize that, you know, we haven't been posting weekly or even close to weekly lately, and we want to get back to doing that. So... If you have any suggestions on what you want to hear, you know, we, we need talking points sometimes from week to week. And if there's any guests, you know, just let us know. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, last week, I did a piece on why Ottawa should keep Dylan DeMello. I don't think they should trade him. Uh, and you can find all my stuff on Twitter, at NHL Sends and stuff. Find Chase on Twitter, at CMHockey66. And we will see you all next week.